I'd like you to turn to another passage that the children learned this past week in VBS. It's a very important passage, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It was three verses they learned together. It's about a treasure. That was one of the focus of this one of the skits uh, through the week on the treasure, looking for a treasure. Lay, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. <clears throat> but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is a, a very searching few verses about our treasure. And we all have a treasure of one form or another. Uh, he speaks of these two treasures. The Lord Jesus speaks of the treasure on earth and the treasure in heaven. And he says negatively, we're not to lay up the one kind of treasure, the one on earth. Rather, we're to lay up treasures in heaven. So there's a contrast. But it's important that these things are contrasted because we have a tendency uh, to labor up for the one and not for the other. The first one, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh, this is the same word here about laying up that he uses in other places called storing up. Uh, remember the, the rich fool. I even referred to him in the morning message who uh, had a bumper crop and built bigger barns and had stored all his, his crops in there. He said, I've laid up many goods for many years. It's the same idea of laying up or storing up treasures on earth. A treasure is something that we hold dear. Matthew Henry said that a treasure is an abundance of something that is in itself, at least in our opinion, precious and valuable. We speak of children as being a treasure. Uh, we speak of certain items, perhaps in our house, that we consider a treasure. It might be a, a book. It, it might be one thing or another. But it's something that, at least in our opinion, we hold to be precious and valuable. It's what we consider to be the best things or the most valuable. And Jesus says that these are the treasures on earth which we are not to lay up for ourselves. Now, those treasures on earth may be money or possessions. It may be friends, could be family members or even a child. Uh, as I think Mary Ellen, when she was explaining it to the kids, it could be just this uh, love of honor that you want to be known for something. Uh, it may be your comfort or your position in life. It's anything that essentially is everything to us. And it stops, though, with this life and in this world. That's the treasures on earth. And we can think of all kinds of things that people 
work for and labor for in their lives, but it's something you can't take with you. I'll never forget the first uh, first funeral I performed so many years ago, but the funeral director drove me in the in the car to the out to the plot and uh he was just telling me he saw I was a young new young pastor and he was just kind of telling me some stories about funerals that he had and one was about uh this motorcycle gang and uh they dug a big big hole in the ground much bigger than you need for a coffin because when it came time for the funeral somebody drove his motorcycle down into the grave and they buried it well, I don't know what he was going to do with that motorcycle, but I can tell you what that motorcycle is doing right now. Uh, rust and decay. It's gone. He didn't enjoy it one second more than the last breath he took. It was gone. Those are the things of earth. And he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Rather, he says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh the key focus here is what is uh, is found in verse 21. He says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That's the point of it. It's where your heart is because the Lord wants our hearts, all of them. He wants us to love him with all our heart and soul and strength. What Jesus is dealing with is really our attitude towards things. Because even the things of earth, he's not saying that we can't own things. We can't even enjoy things of earth because we can. In fact, there are scriptural admonitions that say that we can enjoy the things of this earth. That he's given us all things richly to enjoy, the Bible says. And there's talking about even foods that we eat and other things that he's blessed us with. We can enjoy them. But he doesn't want that to reign in our hearts as our supreme good or the things that we value the most in life. It's really our heart's attitude toward these things. Uh, we see it in, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 where Paul is telling Timothy how he is to uh, exhort and encourage those who are rich in the world. And he doesn't tell them they need to give away all of their riches. But no, he says this. He says, command those who are rich in this present age, that is with the things of earth, in this present age, not to be haughty, not to trust or fix their hope or put their confidence in the uncertainty of riches. Rather, he says, but in the living God. You see, the rich man can have these riches, but then he begins to put all of his confidence, all of his hope for the future, everything in these riches. But he says, no, don't trust in those. They're uncertain riches. But they're to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And Paul, notice, he, he when he's telling Timothy this, he's using the same rationale as the Lord uses here in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, what reason does Jesus give here not to... Uh, Store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, that's where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, That's what happens. You see, treasures on earth lack permanency. They lack stability. 
They're here today and they're gone tomorrow. That's why he tells Timothy to instruct those who are rich not to trust in the uncertainty of riches. They can be here today and gone tomorrow. But whatever the treasure might be, it is fleeting. It's it's fading away, as John Newton said in that hymn. Fading is the worldling's pleasure. All his boasted pomp and show. Oh, it looks like he's got it made. But then it fades and fades and fades away. And you see so much of pictures of, of movie stars and very famous people that now they've grown, grown old and they can't even enjoy their riches because it's gone or their health is gone. They can't really enjoy it anymore. Look at Moses in the, uh, Hebrews 11.25. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Uh, some people, that's what their treasure is, to have pleasure. Their treasure is their pleasure. But these pleasures are passing away. 2 Corinthians 4.18 We don't look at the things which are seen, Paul says, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? They are temporary, but the things which are not seen, the things in heaven, they are eternal. Jesus, you remember when He fed the 5,000 and and, uh, the people were following Him wherever He went. He crossed over the lake. They found Him there. And Jesus saw them coming and He knew why they were following Him because He says, you ate of the loaves and were filled. But he warns them and says, do not labor for the food which perishes. You see, he fed them on the other side of the lake, but now they're already hungry again. It didn't satisfy. It it's just was a temporary fix for the moment. But now contrast this with the treasures of heaven. They're spoken of by Peter as being an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away. That's what our treasures are in heaven. They're solid joys and lasting treasures. When you, when you live for the things of this earth, you need to understand that those things are temporary and they're passing away. That's why you should not give your heart to those things. Remember, so many years ago we had... Uh, my wife was uh, uh, walking a couple of the kids to the bank. Uh, one was four years old and one was two. Uh, after the transaction, of course, they won a sucker from the bank teller, and the bank teller gave them each a sucker. And they began talking about it, and they're sucking on those suckers and discussing the value of their suckers. And uh, the one brother turned to his little brother and says, do you love your sucker more than God? <laughs> well, well, you think about it, any, any creature in comparison to God is not any better. Uh, do, you, do you love something more than God? Then you might as well love a sucker more than God because it's still passing away. That sucker isn't going to last forever, is it? Isaiah 55, 2 God asked the people of Israel that very question. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what doesn't satisfy? 
Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. God is offering something so much better, so much more meaningful, and it lasts and it satisfies. Thomas Watson said the world is enough to busy us, but not to fill us. It's not that the world is too big. The world is just too small for us. Because God made us for Himself. The treasure that Jesus is speaking of here in heaven and the rest of Scripture speaks of, the treasure is not the golden streets of heaven. The treasure is God Himself. And He alone deserves our heart. You see, we were meant for God. This is why He made us and He alone deserves our heart. We were meant for Him to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. You look around at the world and you see it's an unhappy world. There's so much unhappiness and the suicide rates have just skyrocketing among young people. Uh, they're more and more and younger and younger. They're taking their own lives and, and all this whole thing of transitioning. We're talking about this at the table today and, and, uh, they, they're just trying to find something to make them happy. They're terribly unhappy. And maybe if they if they change their sex, then they'll be happy. No, that'll never make you happy. That's something of this world. That's what the world offers. That's the paltry things the world offers us. But you see, God made us for Himself. In Psalm 16.5, the psalmist says, O Lord, You are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Uh, that is, you're what I'm living for. You're everything. And in contrasting that in the next psalm with the men of the world, it says the men of the world, they have their portion in this life. I mean, they get what they get now, but that's it. And then it's gone. Everything's gone. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 the Apostle Paul said, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. You see, don't set your mind, don't fix your hope in, in the things of this world. There's nothing in this world, even if it's a person, that will truly satisfy you and will last forever. In Hebrews 11, turn over there for a moment if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. After speaking of faith and giving several examples of faith, uh, the, the writer in verse 13 speaks of these men and women these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they, those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had been had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return, but now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Now, he's been talking about faith, and, and you learn the definition of faith in this first verse. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's speaking about that heavenly inheritance. We don't see it now, do we? But we are assured by God's own word that it's there. It's waiting for us. As Peter said, it's reserved in heaven for you. And so that's what we're looking for. And that's what we're waiting for. That's what we're hoping for. It's not a vain hope. No, it's the evidence of things not seen. This is something that God has promised to those who live by faith. They don't walk by sight. They walk by faith, believing His promises. You see, this passage reminds us of a very great truth that we're always to keep before us, and that is that we are but pilgrims here on earth. This isn't our permanent home. Now, this is an important home. And someplace we can grow and learn and glorify God. We're not just trying to struggle by and get by so we can get to heaven. But this isn't our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to live with God forever. To enjoy Him. There are pleasures at His right hand forevermore. And He has a place that He has prepared for us that where He is, we might be also. And that's what we ought to be living for. Living for Him. Now, not living for the things of this world. When you think about Peter, I mean, uh, not Peter, Matthew, we were studying about Matthew and his conversion and how there he is at this tax office and he's a very well to do man. And Jesus comes and tells him to leave everything, get up and follow me. And so he does. He gave up so much, didn't he? He gave up the, the riches of this world. But it was only the things which moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Charles Simeon said Matthew, in appearance, was degraded and impoverished. That is, by getting up and following Christ. Now he had nothing. He had no Paycheck coming in, so to speak. But, Simeon says, he was made an eminent servant of Christ. And what a blessed instrument of diffusing the knowledge of him through the whole world. I spoke this morning, mentioned how that God used him to be an instrument of revelation. That we have the Gospel of Matthew that's been studied and read for 2,000 years. Has blessed the hearts and minds of so many. We're, we're looking at His Gospel right now in the Sermon on the Mount, recording these things that Jesus said and spoke and did. What a blessed instrument of diffusing the knowledge of Him through the whole world. And then He mentions that of all the evangelists, not one so marks so fully the Messiahship of Jesus and the accomplishment of prophecy in Him as He. And what is His condition now? Well, you know, apostles then, as Paul said, I think were counted as the scum of the earth. They were persecuted. Jesus warned them, assured them that they would be hated by all men. Now, as a public, and he was hated before that, but now he's hated for doing right. 
He was hated for doing wrong, but now he's hated for doing right. They'll speak all manner of evil against you falsely. As a publican, they were truthfully saying, he's a cheat, he's a scoundrel. But now, he's living for God in his glory, and he's being accused of terrible things. But what's his condition now, Simeon asks? Has he not far better treasures than he ever possessed on earth? Know ye then that you also may appear to suffer loss by devoting yourself to Christ. But if you have the honor of being His servants, His friends, His heirs, if He acknowledge you as members of His own body, yea, as His spouse, who shall participate all His glory and have everlasting fruition of His love, you have made a good exchange. You know, we think we have to give up so much to follow Christ. But it's a good exchange. Far more worth it. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he's thinking about the glories of heaven and the coming day of the Lord, he says, I consider it not worthy of comparison, the sufferings now worthy to compare which the, with the glory that shall be revealed hereafter. It's something far, far better. It's a good exchange. And so Simeon says, Rejoice then, in your high privileges and be thankful to him by whose almighty power alone you have been made willing to accept them. And let your whole lives be henceforth consecrated as Matthew's was to his service. So shall you in your place be his witnesses all around you and ere long be adjoined to that blessed society where every loss shall be compensated with a proportional weight in glory. In fact, that's what Paul said. I could say the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. They're light, he says. These light afflictions, momentary afflictions, is working for us an exceeding weight in glory. It's a far great exchange, far greater exchange that we will be compensated with a proportional weight in glory. Jim Elliott, the missionary who lost his own life in trying to take the the gospel to the natives, he said this, He is no fool to lose what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's what Jesus was speaking of here. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. You'll definitely lose them. They'll be eaten up or decaying or you'll outlive them. And go to your grave without them. But to follow Christ, to have a treasure in heaven, that can never be taken away from you. You can, be, you can never be plucked out of your Father's hand. And He has this waiting for you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. A place of exceeding happiness and joy. No tears, no sorrow, no death. No separation from the love of God, which is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord help us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Would you pray with me? Our gracious Father.